News, politics, and special guests with a Texas twist. That's the goal of the Luke Messias Show. Our nation and state are at a crossroads, and if you're not informed, you're not equipped to make the change our community needs. Join the conversation and join the cause for liberty today. Welcome to episode 109 of the Luke Messias Show. We are going to move in just a second to a conversation I had with Jill Glover, Shelby Williams, and Rich Diot. Rich and Shelby served on the uh, Legislative Priorities Committee at the Texas Convention. We're going to walk you through a little bit of how a priority becomes a priority because here's what you need to understand. So let me kind of preface this with this statement. Thousands and thousands of conservative Republican activists put thousands of hours in to creating nine Republican priorities. And these are just of all the thousands of things that the Republican Party platform says to do, the nine most important ones that they've delivered to the legislature to say, hey, we know you don't get everything you ask for. So please, can we just ask for this simpler list? And most of those priorities are going unheeded by a Republican governor, lieutenant governor, speaker of the House, and caucuses in the Senate and the House. So today we're going to take a step back and have some conversations with Shelby and Rich about how a priority becomes a priority so you can understand just how intensive a process this is. In fact, I I hope that more legislators listen to this conversation because they might handle the priorities with a little more weight if they understood. And then Jill Glover, who's on the SREC, the State Republican Executive Committee, tells us some of the things that the party's doing this session to push these priorities, and they're doing more than they ever have, and the legislature's not happy with it. So we're going to peel that back, and then at the end, I ask all three of them, what is going to happen if the Texas legislature doesn't deliver a majority of these priorities in the form of successful legislation passed? Because we have the levers of power, but are we going to use it? Or are we going to do what Republicans have typically done, which is just not get our priorities done, but be glad that the Democrats couldn't get theirs done either? So that's the conversation we're going to have today. I hope you enjoy it, and I hope uh, you have a blessed week. God bless you. Hey, God bless Texas. Well, I am joined by what I call the uh, Republican Legislative Priorities Dream Team, Shelby Williams, Rich Diot, Jill Glover. Um, you know, one of the things that I have witnessed for the last, let's say, 60 days since the legislature started is you you have a bunch of Republican lawmakers that all have priorities, and they've all put out their priorities, and um, and their priorities in some cases aren't bad priorities. In some cases, they are bad priorities. And then uh, one of the things that you've seen consistently is that we haven't had a whole lot of people say we need to actually pass the Republican priorities. And um, I was thinking of this just today on a phone call. I had I was talking to somebody about uh, the way Congress works on the federal level and explaining that, you know, Donald Trump literally ran on one message, which was, well, one of his messages was, I want to build the wall. And then not only did he surprisingly win, but Republicans won in the U.S. Senate and Congress. So now we have all of the chambers and you have a president who said, I want to build a wall and secure the border. And then Republicans have control of the purse. And yet, we don't build a wall and we don't secure the border. And then uh, now you have a situation where Democrats have control of Congress and President Biden uh, is there. And and the Democrats in Congress believe so much in their ideas that they're pushing ideas through the process that Biden hasn't even said he supports. (laughs) I mean, if you think about it, it's like the opposite problem that Republicans have. It's Democrats. Democrats have this problem where they're like, even when the head is like, hey, let's not do all these left ideas 
they're still going to do the left ideas. That is how committed they are to their issues. So here's what I want to do. We have a set of Republican priorities and we have a lot of grassroots people out there who have been involved in that process, some who haven't. So Shelby, why don't you, as a member of the Republican legislative priorities, tell us how does a priority become a priority in the Republican Party of Texas? Sure. No, this is as grassroots a process as it gets within the party. <clears throat> so there were 31 of us at the state legislative priorities committee, one for each Senate district, um, <clears throat> plus our chairman. But we didn't just come with our own agendas. <clears throat> the, the priorities bubbled up from the precinct conventions all over Texas, mm-hmm. the very base level convention where literally each precinct across the entire state gets together usually a small handful of people representing each precinct. Some are uh, pretty big with a couple dozen people representing. That's awesome. And they bring their own priorities. They bring platform planks. They bring resolutions. They say, this is what's important to me. Replicated across the entire state, Hmm. those all get bubbled up to the Senate district and county conventions, the next level where they're vetted, consolidated, similar ideas are put together. Maybe maybe a thousand people brought the same idea to their precinct conventions. Mm-hmm. This gets replicated um, you know, 31 times or 50 times across county and Senate districts. Mm-hmm. And then that ultimately comes to the state legislative priorities committee where the 31 of us took over 300 proposed priorities that were submitted all across the state from the Senate district and county conventions and broke into subcommittees to determine, uh, okay, under the, um, uh, under the property tax subcommittee, We've got all these great ideas. They cannot all be a priority, else nothing is a priority. Mm-hmm. So we invited testimony in Houston. And uh, then those bubbled up to the main committee, and we had a rigorous debate over the course of a week to determine what we were going to support, what we heard from our own constituents in our own Senate districts, and we all polled our own constituents, which is, I, I, don't, I don't know how much of the legislature does this, but they should be polling their own constituents to see mm-hmm. what's important to them. And then ultimately we passed 15 legislative priorities out of the temporary committee, I'm sorry, out of the permanent committee and forwarded those to the convention floor for a vote for the the top half, which rounded up to the top uh, eight. And because, um, because emergency power reform was our number one as a committee, and yet it didn't make the, uh, the final cut on the convention floor for reasons we can delve into at another time, um, <clears throat> that was the plus one that was added for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. So it, it truly is we the people at the grassroots level pushing all of this up through the entire system to be uh, voted on, filtered by the committee, and ultimately voted on by the delegates in party convention. Thanks for for that explanation, Shelby. And um, you know, I was I was just talking to somebody today about the difference often between the Republican and the Democrat platforms, and really Republican legislators versus Democrat legislators. It's not an indictment on a single person as much as just our party as a whole. We kind of believe in self governance, so you know, be a little self aware. Um, Donald Trump got elected on a on a clear platform of basically building a wall, border security and Republicans had control of Congress in both the Senate and U.S. Congress, and they did not fund a wall. I mean, they funded a whole lot of other stuff. All they had to do was say, here's the wall too, since that's the one thing we believe in, and it didn't happen. Um, And yet, when Joe Biden takes over, and we have a split Senate, not even control, and U.S. Congress is controlled by the Democrats, they're passing out 
legislative priorities that the Democrat Party has that aren't even on Joe Biden's agenda, right? I mean, they're like, we're going to go as far left as possible, even if the head is going, hey, that's not really my agenda. So, so they kind of have our problem, but the opposite, where their legislators are overly committed to their ideas, and our legislators, even we have control, have a hard time implementing those, right? So the idea of the priorities is to say, hey, we could get everything. That would be the party platform. But we're synthesizing it down. We're consolidating it down. We just want these top eight. Since you as state representatives and state senators are going to pass 1,200 bills out of your chamber, can eight of those be these and 1,192 be whatever else you want them to be, right? So with that as the standard, um, Rich, why don't you tell us about during that process, because you and Shelby served together on the Legislative Priorities Committee, how did y'all go about selecting the 15 that ultimately got voted on the floor and chose to be you know, the top eight? And now that is nine, including executive overreach reform. Well, Luke, um, not only did Shelby and I serve together, we actually sat next to each other at the committee table back when we used to have in-person meetings. Um, that's the way the convention was held in Houston in July, at least for the committees. Yep. And so we took uh, this long list of priorities that Shelby had said, and he mentioned uh, in his great explanation of kind of how the process works. He mentioned that we polled our districts. I polled mm -hmm. my district, and I was surprised how many people engaged. It was a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And so based on that, there was a priority set. And this, I was on the priorities committee last um, convention, too, before this one. And it was a very similar process. We, we found out what our constituents were saying, what they wanted. I interacted with personally with many of them directly to get clarification and try to measure uh, how important things were. And the only, the only surprise that Shelby mentioned, too, was that emergency executive powers did not get addressed mm -hmm. as one of the top eight. It was in, in the, um, uh, the top 15, but it wasn't, it didn't win the vote. And I, my personal feeling is that's sort of a new issue. And most mm -hmm. of the other priorities were things that people had heard before. And I think the wording of it may not have registered as important, yep. but I can guarantee you when uh, Chairman West added that uh, priority to the mm -hmm. list as the ninth priority, um, it was a, a good thing to do because that's really where the party was. I'm sure Shelby and I'm sure Jill would both agree with with me on that. So we took, we took and the, the, the process involved hearings and we had a lot of testimony from various uh, Republicans, some invited testimony and others, uh, just people wanting to express their views. And I will tell you, I've, I've been around politics a long time and, and these priorities a long time, the platform a long time. And I'm always surprised how my own perception of issues can change just by mm. listening to somebody's heartfelt story about why. Mm. And I could give examples of that, but I'm, I'm, it would take too long. I just want to say that I think this process roots out what is very important to Republicans better than any other process that we've mm. It's not just what's important, it's what is the most important. Mm. And if we don't get this right, I think we're going to lose people. Mm. And I'm going to come back to you on that, Rich, in, uh, in just a second as we, as we kind of close out the conversation. But Jill, you know, Shelby and Rich went through this very uh, painstaking process and thorough process of trying to figure out what are the, the, what are the top 15 
They didn't select the eight. They actually wanted a vote on, you know, the full 15 to say, hey, tell us which are the, which are the most important ones. And um, so everybody then came in and voted on these. And just to go through those very quickly, we basically have election integrity. This is one thing that is being prioritized clearly by the governor uh, and the lieutenant governor. I have not seen uh, the speaker say something specific about his election integrity agenda in any way, but he did put uh, Briscoe Kane as chair of elections. So that was somewhat of a nod to the fact that he did think that the issue should get attention. Religious freedom, the restoration of the rights of individuals and businesses to exercise their sincerely held religious beliefs. Um, I want to point something out there real quick, and I'm going off on just a teeny bit of a tangent as I go through these issues. But, you know, one of the big things that I think has been pushed out there has been this like church protection act where churches can't get shut down. And we can have a, we don't need to go into a long conversation tonight about that, but that's not in my mind, like restoring rights because the churches aren't getting shut down in Texas. And that's what, that's actually one of the things I think like the legislature doesn't really want to focus on people's rights that are being taken away. It's more like, it's great. Let's just kind of put a stamp and say that the fact that governor Abbott didn't shut down churches is right. And we shouldn't do that. We shouldn't let anybody else do it. Children and gender modification. We know that we have minor children, hundreds, if not a couple thousand children being gender modified, having genital mutilation surgeries as young teens, having um, their basic, I mean, literally being uh, brainwashed at age two, three, and four by professionals who are there and know how to transform these child's hearts and minds and being done uh, abused in the same way by their parents and then eventually leading to permanent genital mutilation. So we want that banned. Abolishing abortion abolish abortion in by ensuring the right to life and equal protection in the laws of all preborn children constitutional carry uh there's like 17 states that have it so we're like the 20th most pro-gun state that's fine uh but we're going to get better monument protections uh everyone wants to tear down our monuments we don't think that should happen so we should put in place uh processes by which these liberal cities cannot tear down our history in texas uh school choice for all empowering parents and guardians to choose their form of public, private, and charter school or homeschool options, and then banning taxpayer-funded lobbying. And I will say that banning taxpayer-funded lobbying is also something that uh, the lieutenant governor put, I know, on his list of 31 priorities that he released. So I don't, I think I'm speaking correctly when I say that the, that at least election integrity and banning taxpayer-funded lobbying were prioritized by the lieutenant governor. Um, election integrity has been said by the governor to be supported. The others have not gotten specific public support by any of the the top three. So Jill, why don't you tell us what the Republican Party is doing this session to uh, deal with these priorities? That That is an excellent question, Luke. So we take those eight priorities that our delegates have told us are the most important ones uh, to them that legislation is passed on this session. And they then come to the Legislative Priorities Committee of the State Republican Executive Committee. So we've got, um, we've got the Legislative Priorities Committee that is broken up into subcommittees, one subcommittee for each legislative priority. Mm -hmm. So I've got a, a committee chair for each of those, and those subcommittees are responsible for looking at each bill that is filed and seeing if that bill meets the priority as specified by the delegates. So I do want to say that, that there may be some other really good bills filed that match our platform and that we would agree with, and maybe even in that the area of that priority, maybe for example, a good election integrity bill, but it does have to meet the priority as specified by our delegates as, as the legislative parties 
committee at state convention wrote out that priority. So, um, so my, my committees look at those bills and then we vote on uh, whether or not those bills meet the criteria for the priority. And if so, uh, if we agree that they do, then those are the ones that we actively work on and support throughout the legislative legislative session. Right now, we have got 39 bills that we have approved, um, which is a really good number. And I anticipate that, mm. that we're going to have a good many more um, because we are getting a lot of bills filed on our priorities this session. Um, so how are we specifically working these, uh, these bills? We have decided this session to take a little bit of a different approach. We've decided that we are going to go to the voters, to the people. So the members of my committee, as well as just some of the other SRECs who really care about our priorities, um, are traveling around the state. We are doing um, uh, a program about the legislative priorities, what they are. You know, many of our just regular Republican voters, they don't even know that we have legislative priorities, right? Mm -hmm. So we're educating uh, the public about what they are and um, then what they can do individually to interact with their representatives and their senator. Because here's the thing, who do the legislators really care about? Whose opinion? You know, it's not Chairman West, it's not mine, it's not the SREC, it is the voters in their districts, right? Mm -hmm. So we are encouraging those voters to pick one of these issues maybe that they really care about, pick one or two, and really focus on those, email and call, and then if they wanna come down and testify, that's that's great. But but just emailing and phone calling is, is huge. And if we can get enough folks across the state to email and call about these various priorities, I think we've got a, a good chance at them being moved to the floor for a vote. And that's that's all we're asking for. We want them to go to the floor for a vote, right? Yep. So yep. that's, that's what we're doing. So in order to, to do that education, we have added a whole lot of information on the texasgop.org website. Yep. We've got a drop-down menu called Text Ledge. Um, I'm writing a weekly legislative priorities report that comes out every Friday that kind of summarizes where, where our priorities are moving, what's happened during the week. Um, right now, they're beginning to get assigned to various committees, yeah. um, which is good. We want to see that. So we're going to let folks know um, what's happening, right? And then we've, we've got um, an email service called STAT, which stands for Strategic Texas Activist Team. And if people want to sign up for particular priorities, like maybe they really care about constitutional carry, well, they could check that box and then they get specific emails about when those bills hit the committee or may come up for a vote. So we just want the voters to know when is a good time. And, and of course, any time is a good time to call or email. But in particular, mm -hmm. if it's coming up for a hearing or for a vote, we want those folks to engage with their representative and their senator. So I want to close out. Um, I know when, whenever I have three people on, you know, be, there's less conversation, right? Because everybody kind of has the things they're saying. But I do want to give each of y'all a chance to say, say answer this question. Um, uh, if, if the Republican legislature, you know, we all just worked very hard. I think everybody on this call donated to candidates who were running, worked hard, block walked, talked. I mean, we're involved. One of 
a group of the thousands of people out there that tried to work really hard and kept Texas red. I mean, Texas has just as many Republican state representatives we had two years ago, has one fewer state senator, but still has control. The rules have changed in the Senate to where we still can pass whatever we want with the Republican senators. Um, so that being the case, if, if the Republican legislature does not deliver the legislative priorities, does not make an effort to vote on all of the legislative priorities in the Senate and the House. What what do you feel like that says? Y'all are y'all are the some of the you know most active activists in the state. So what does that say about the state of the legislature if that happens? And what are your concerns about what that could mean for the Texas GOP moving forward? So I'm going to start where we started originally. In fact, I'll start with Jill and then we'll go back the other way. Jill, then Rich, then Shelby, and then we'll close it out. I will tell you, as I travel across the state and I speak to these various groups, the clubs and, and the, the meetings are having an explosion of new people coming in. And so there is um, an energy and, and I will say there is an anger um, across the state about what happened nationally with President Trump um, and, and, and Joe Biden, and we having this Biden administration now, there is an anger about that. And there is a heightened awareness of what's going on at the state level. And so I think, I think um, there is a perception. Well, I think it, I'll be honest. I think it's a reality that if we lose Texas, that, that it has real consequences for our nation, right? And so I think folks are coming in, they're wanting to know what to do. They're wanting to know um, how they can make a difference. And so we've got this little window of opportunity. And I'll be honest, if our legislators don't hear that, um, then I, <laughs> are they tone deaf? Are they in a bubble? Um, I, I, I'm not real sure what it is, but I think the voters will, decide what to do with that. Um, and, and like I tell people, these are these folks work for you. And so you're going to decide whether you want to hire them again next time, or if you're you're going to want to let them go and find someone to primary them in 2022. But I think the voters will decide whether or not the session was a success or a failure. So Rich, uh, Rich, tell me what your, what your thoughts are. Well, I haven't seen the energy. I'm sure Jill has seen what's really happening in those meetings that she's gone to. I've, I've heard about that somewhat, but I've also talked to a lot of people who are pretty discouraged right now because of what just happened. And on today, I had a conversation with a guy who is a national figure, uh, and he has was talking to a million-dollar plus donor who gives nationally in and that guy's concern was, if Republicans don't do what we're hiring to go do, why should I give any more money? Hmm. To him, it's giving money. To me, it's knocking on doors and making phone calls. Uh, but if, if a lot of the party just kind of gets to the point where they feel like the Republican Party is not going to deliver, unless somebody like Donald Trump is in office, then we're going to have a problem. I hear way too much, um, uh, I guess, uh, the 2022 and 2024 races, I, I hear so much, well, we're going to get the House and Senate back in 2023 mm. nationally, and we'll win the presidency in 2024. And they're talking like it's a foregone conclusion. I've been playing this game way too long to accept <laughs> that. And, and it worries me that, that, that the same people who aren't doing anything are just looking towards those times. And I'm sure their, their campaigns are going to be great. <laughs> talking about what they would do if they were in power. 
here we are in Texas. We need our legislators to step up. I know a lot of these guys. I know y'all do too. And I think they want to, but it's a matter of leadership. And we need the kind of leadership that can bring a message and inspire people to give their time, money, sweat, treasure, everything to win these elections because our message is much better than the Democrats. And it, it uh, I mean, we see where they're going with things right now. And I don't think we have a whole lot of time to build it out. I have talked to some state legislators who are fairly bullish uh, on certain issues like life. Um, that's a, a big concern for myself and my wife. And yep. we spend a lot of time on that issue. Yes. And, and it's encouraging to hear some things. <laughs> yep. But I've been disappointed before, too, right? So um, I just hope that's not the case. I hope we deliver, and I hope we have a really good message coming out of this session that they honored uh, the commitment of the party. I'm not really seeing a whole lot of that right now, but I hope it generates in the next uh, few weeks that we start to see them really attacking these main issues. Election integrity, when we pass that, we had a concern about it. I'll bet you if we had that vote today, it'd be number one and there wouldn't be any other priorities. Mm. Yep. The way people feel about that because of what happened. So I think it's important uh, that, that they do that. We've supported them and we've got them elected and we need them to, to turn around and respond to these priorities. I think it'd be, um, it, it, it would be a huge problem if they didn't. So I hope they will. Yeah, thank you for that, Rich. And I was going to say two things to that one. I, I really do think that we're going to pass a heartbeat bill this session. Uh, that's, you know, Dan Patrick's priority. Um, honestly, I think I think a lot of Texans were pretty embarrassed that the that the Democrat governor and a Democrat senator and state representative in Louisiana passed the heartbeat bill two years ago. <laughs> you know, so I mean, we're uh, it, it's notable that we're, we have fallen to 20th. I think at one point we we're like eighth or ninth most pro-life state. We're down to 20th. That seems to be a wake-up call, right? Um, and yeah. so if uh, we need we need like a study to come out that says we're like the 20th least secure state in election integrity. And they're like, oh gosh, we got to do something. Um, on election integrity, I also think it's going to be good for people. I'd recommend any Texas graduate person to go to look at what Governor Ron DeSantis in Florida is pushing on election integrity. He's been bold and bullish on what he's actually pushing. He has said that there should be no ballot harvesting period of, of mail-in voters. And, you know, Rich lives in Tarrant County where people have literally gone to prison for mail-in ballot harvesting. The Project Veritas video in San Antonio was mail-in ballot harvesting. I haven't seen a single Republican legislator um, talk about banning this. And when I, when I say this, I mean, I haven't seen any of the ones that are leading the election integrity side, which is really Senator Brian Hughes, Representative Briscoe Kane. It, it, so I would really encourage people to go kind of look at what some of these other aggressive governors are saying, we're going to pass this type of election integrity reform, and then say, hey, use that as an example to say, what, what should we push? Because one of the things I think is Democrats took the reins. They've already passed election integrity at a federal level. And still in Texas, we're 60 days in, and we don't actually know what the election integrity plan is, right? I mean, we've literally had like, we should secure our elections, but nobody's laid out, here are three things we should do. So hopefully, as that comes to the surface, we get a, a, an idea there. But um, Shelby, what, tell, tell me what your thoughts are, and then I'll, I'll close this out. Thank you all so much for your time this evening. Thank you, Luke. Uh, a couple of thoughts about this. Number one, I talk about this a lot. George Washington warned in his farewell address uh, against political parties. And to summarize it, it was basically uh, forewarning that they would eventually exist unto themselves. 
their very purpose is to feed themselves. And that's really what we see, we've seen for a while in Washington, D.C., with some notable exceptions, uh, Republicans and Democrats, whom we send to D.C., the party, the, each of the parties exist to be the ones in power. Mm. With some, some differences, they don't really do much meaningful mm-hmm. when they're in power, except, you know, as, as we've seen, when, uh, when the Democrats have a triumvirate, they move full steam ahead. Yes. But when yes. the Republicans had a triumvirate, it was uh, a, a game of just waiting out the clock. Um, but they exist to simply be the ones in power and not to move forward any notable causes, at least on the Republican side. Now, um, Rich is right. I mean, why would we give our time, effort, blood, sweat, tears to a party that's not going to advance our values? That's ostensibly why we affiliate with a party, because they best represent our values. And those values coalesce as the priorities. We're, We're electing legislators to enact legislation. So those are the legislative priorities. It's, it's worth noting that every elected official and every committee member, um, whether it's a party official or a, a state or federal or local elected official, they're ultimately accountable to their constituents. Now, the top eight plus one Republican Party of Texas priorities are not necessarily going to be the top eight plus one in, a, in any given House or Senate district across the state. Yeah. But these surfaced as the top eight plus one statewide because they were broadly representative. Ergo, there should, for most of them, be a majority, not necessarily universality, but a majority of Republican legislators who would get behind those because ostensibly their constituents view those as priorities as well. So if we, if we face a session and, and Jill is also right. I've seen the passion. A lot of people have woken up uh, in the past year and the, they, the frog was tossed onto the hot plate and they realized it was on fire and they're, they're now fully wide awake. A lot of them don't know what to do. And a lot of them are discouraged. The Senate races, the special elections in uh, Georgia, so many people just thought, why bother? It's not gonna matter anyway. We cannot let ourselves fall into that trap. We've got to harness this passion and enthusiasm and point these folks in the right direction. Let them know what they can meaningfully do. The legislature has to hold up their end of the bargain. If all these people who are paying attention for the first time in their lives see Austin behaving the same way as Washington, they're going to say, why bother? Hmm. So I, I would very much like all of the legislative priorities to get passed. By the way, the top 15, not the top eight plus one, <laughs> and then some. Yep. Um, I would very much like that. I'm a realist. I don't expect it all to happen. I'm yep. going to push for it all to happen. But if nothing happens, that's going to be a detrimental message to these grassroots who are willing to give their blood, sweat, and tears mm. for the values they truly believe in. And Cat Cat uh, Parks, Republican uh, Texas Vice Chair, said something very salient that while we should look to the legislative priorities and their success, that can't be the sole determinant of our success. Because as we've seen in the past month and a half or so since uh, Biden was inaugurated, what we gain now can be stripped away like that Mm -hmm. in the blink of an eye. If we don't build a better foundation for true grassroots activity and activism in the state and across the country, 
it won't matter what legislative priorities we get right now because we're going to lose them in record time. The uh, no, thank you for that, Shelby. I really appreciate that. I actually, I I read the um, I read the Cat Parks comment a little differently. Um, I actually read it as don't think that we can't have a successful legislative session, even if we don't pass the priorities and you, I'd, you know, encourage anybody to go read it and kind of take what they want from it. But in fact, I think she called them like a narrow set. And her whole point was there's going to be good stuff. There's actually, I'm going to go back to last session just because we're on this, but you know what the party, the message of the Republican party last session was we're going to focus on like the 47 planks within our platform that passed and the reason they said that was because none of the priorities passed, if that makes sense. And so there's really been this frustration. I can just tell, you know, y'all, I can tell you that from my conversations from legislators within the caucus, I mean, they do not like the focus on the priorities and uh, they, they don't like, because when you define success for them, you also define failure and it's, it's a, it's a frustration. So anyways, I, and, and I think Cat Parks has said, you know, I'm not, maybe it's wrong and I should try, I'll try to have her on and ask her what she meant by it, because I will tell you that when I read it, I actually read it as don't, don't define success as passing of the priorities because they're trying to kind of set up a situation where they can say they had a successful session without the priorities uh, passing. But um, no, I, I do. And to your point too, Shelby, it's not going to matter if we're not getting everybody engaged and organized to be able to go out there. So I think it's one of those where it's priorities plus organization. Um, and hopefully we can do both and right. It's not either, or we can walk in, chew gum. Um, I'm really grateful for all three of y'all. I think y'all are some of the most active people within this process. Um, I hope that more Texans understand how much effort goes into the Republican priorities from hearing some of the legislator talk on the priorities. I hope some of them take a step back and realize how much work goes into the legislative priorities. Um, so they know this isn't just kind of thrown out there. And we can hopefully have uh, a, another talk in June and talk about how many of the legislative priorities passed, six out of three, you know, died, whatever it is, and, um, and can talk about the successful legislative session we've had. So I appreciate all of y'all. Thank you for joining me tonight. Um, God bless y'all. Thank you. Thank you, Luke. Thank you for listening to The Luke Messia Show. This program is brought to you by Scorecard Media. Check out texasscorecard.com to read up on all things Texas. Scorecard Media has other podcasts as well. Yeah, they're not as good as this one, but you should still check them out. Honestly, though, visit texasscorecard.com to see all the content they're producing on a daily basis. If you'd like our podcast to grow, please consider subscribing to the show on whatever platform you listen on and leave a review. That helps others find the content we're producing. Thank you. God bless you and God bless Texas. Texas.